0: other gods above the God that we worship. He is the one true God. He is the creator of the universe. He is the God that loves you with all that he has. He is the one that died on the cross for you. So as we sing this next song, let's worship him with all that we announcements that I I want to share with you today that is really exciting news after this service today the ladies have prepared a special get-together over in the gym it's called the four G's it's called girls grub gab and games and we want you to stay if you're a girl or lady and enjoy fellowshipping with us getting to know some people that you haven't met before and just hanging out and having a good time summertime is especially the time of year to do that so that's after this service today Vacation Bible School is a week from tomorrow. We're excited about what God is doing here. It's July 27th through the 31st, and the theme this year is called Move. We want to get kids moving closer to God. It is a big church outreach, and we're excited because this coming Tuesday at 1 o'clock, if you are available, we want you to come up to the church. We're going to go into some of our neighborhoods and take some popsicles and meet some kids and their families, and we're going to hand out our Bible school flyers. We want to make this place filled with children that week who need Jesus, who want to grow with Jesus. So if you're available this Tuesday, just show up in our foyer and we're going to have a good time and see what God can do there. On that Friday night, July 31st, is our second movie of the summer. Hopefully the rain's going to hold off. The sun is shining. We're going to bring our lawn chairs and blankets. We're going to have our movie down on the field with our big screen, food, and just a good time hanging out. The second movie is the Lego movie. You want to show up about 830, and we show the movie at sunset. Um, If you have any questions about this Tuesday as well with the flyers and such, just see Courtney Hodson in the foyer. She'll be able to give you some more information on that. Okay, we have some awesome guests today. I got to talk with them a little bit. Um, they are Jay and Brianna Stokes, and they are missionaries with new tribes to Indonesia. So Jay's going to come up and share a little bit with us, oh, sorry about that, um, about what God is doing in their lives and how awesome the work is there.
1: Good morning. Um, thanks for having us. Uh, like she said, I'm Jay or Jeremiah, whatever you prefer. My wife is Brianna, and we have two kids, a six-year-old daughter named Eden, a three-year-old son named Jericho, and a baby on the way, due next month. Um, We are missionaries with New Tribes Mission. For those of you who aren't very familiar with New Tribes, or maybe just a little bit, uh, they focus on uh, planting New Testament churches in tribal locations. These are locations where there's no access to the gospel, where there's no written form to their language. There's no Rosetta Stone, there's no way to learn these languages except for living there and uh, learning it by pointing and lots of recording and things like that. Uh, We moved to Indonesia about five years ago. We spent the first couple years learning the national language so we could be able to communicate with the national churches, with the government, kind of give an explanation for why why we're there and what we're doing. Indonesia is a Muslim country, as most of you know, so there is some issues with that but for the most part they know why we're there and God has continued to open that door and allow us to be there with new tribes about a year ago we moved into a tribe called the Dem tribe some of you may know my older sister and brother-in-law Scott and Jenny Phillips they live in the Dow tribe on the same island as where we live in Papua uh, we live in the Dem tribe completely not related completely different languages they can't say one word to each other Uh, They're about 45 minutes in a helicopter away from us. Um, And we moved there about a year ago. We started building a house, and we since then have moved into our house um, and begun studying their language. It's a very difficult language, as any language is, but like I said before, there's no written form to it, so we can't study it except for sitting down with people and spending hours and hours of... Uh, like I said, pointing, recording, writing, and uh, just learning a new language like a baby would. Um, the DEM, they're they are called a, a language isolate. They're not related to any other language group on the whole other island of Papua. So we have our work cut out for us. Um, the encouraging thing is that I just, just about passed my, my first check. New Tribes has four different checks before you're able to get the okay to start teaching. I passed my first check, um, but the intimidating thing is I still have about 5,000 more hours of language study before they think I'll be able to start teaching. So you can be praying for that, praying that I wouldn't uh, bash my head against our desk too many times. Um, Also for our teammates, we have, there's three other families that live in the tribe with us, and uh, we're all there for the same reason. Um, With that said, some people, we've been asked before, why don't you just you know, learn enough of their language and just tell them about Jesus and what he did because these people are dying through these years that you're learning language. Why don't you just tell them about Jesus and what he did for them? Uh, these people, groups that New Tribes works with, they're animistic. They believe in spirits and different gods uh, for every different situation. They have different spirit that they believe in if their gardens aren't growing, a different spirit if a baby gets sick, a different spirit of such and such. So if we were to come in there and just introduce Christ they would just add Christ to that list of gods, and when something happened, they would just go down their list, and, oh, yeah, I'll try that Jesus guy. Um, New Tribes focuses on learning their language, learning their culture, and starting from the very beginning, creation. You know, there's only one God who created everything, created all the spirits, who is more powerful than anything else, and then working through uh, different Bible stories, um, all with this promised Redeemer. There's, there's going to be a sacrifice that will take away all your sins and introduce you to in Christ. And with their worldview and with their culture it seems to be uh, what has worked the best so we're just in the beginning stages um, we'll be in the States for who knows uh, we'll be in Pittsburgh a couple more weeks and we'll go out to Philadelphia where my wife is from we're the the baby out there and once we get passport and visas uh, we're hoping maybe late October we'll head back to the tribe so you can be praying for that um, do I have like two minutes? Okay, I just want to make sure. You're not going to tell me no, I guess, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> I just want to share a real quick story just just to kind of, it's a lot of work, um, but we love living there. And just different culture issues that we come across. A man, a good friend of mine, cut his hand real bad, and so we had to fly him out the town. Our medical expertise is very limited. Um, and he almost chopped two of his whole, right here, fingers off. And so we had to fly him out to town to get uh, some real medical assistance. So I flew him out and uh, we, were at, we got them all stitched up and healed him. So we had to wait for a flight to get back into the tribe a couple of days. So we stayed at a, I don't know if you're familiar with MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship, with their guest house in the small town that we were in. And I wasn't thinking about, I have to tell this guy every aspect of what it's like being out in the town. He's never been out to a town before. And so we go into this guest house, and my dim language is very limited. <laughs> Um, he doesn't speak any Indonesian, and so I'm trying to explain to him what the toilet is, and what you do in it, and how you use it, and he's just, okay, and he's walking around the guest house and looking at the mirrors and the lights, and he's just taking it all in, so we were out there later that afternoon, and the only thing we could do was I put on some Planet Earth on my computer, and we just showed him different things and that uh, he disappeared for about 10 or 15 minutes, and I realized he was in the bathroom just staring over the toilet, just flushing it, and just watching it, the water go down and flushing it over and over and over again, just amazed, asking where the water's going and, and where is it, and just... So things like that, you don't ever think about that. You have to explain these, to these people. The first time he ever saw a cow, uh, he just was staring at a cow because it was so big. Uh, just different things like that, it, it makes the relationship there... It, it, years down the line when hopefully if he comes to know Christ, we'll have funny stories to talk about. But thank you very much for having us. And, uh, yeah,
2: that's about it.
3: Well, you, you never know what you're going to learn in church, right? It's always a surprise. We're so happy you're here in the service today. Boy, what a wonderful spirit in our church on this summer Sunday morning please reach in the book rack right there in front of you and see if you can find one of those little black friendship folders. And if you'll be so kind to put your information on there, give it to someone sitting next to you. We'll appreciate that a lot. Uh, Joanne and I just got back from uh, Carmel, California. Our oldest grandson uh, was married out there overlooking the ocean. And uh, I know many of you have said, boy, we're going to pray for you. Uh, Once you get out there, will you ever want to come back? Uh, Well, it was nice out there, but we did want to come back. We thank you for for your prayers. Uh, The Lord has been blessing the church uh, throughout the summer, and I believe that the greatest reason why is because you have been lifting our church on a wave of prayer. You're praying the list. Joanne and I took our list to California And in the morning, we got the list out, and we are praying for our church back here. Many of our people are traveling today, and uh, we're encouraging them to do the very same thing. So if you haven't started uh, to pray the list with us through the remainder of summer, please start that as soon as you can and join this wave of prayer, because we're expecting God to really do something powerful through our Vacation Bible School, through our outreach down here at the Findlayville Fair, and uh, all of our activities here this summer. So, we thank you in advance for, for praying. Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning and we'll receive our morning offering. We can't thank you enough for your financial participation in the church. Uh, it just uh, It's just so comforting to us to know that you're standing behind the church uh, in prayer and your, your work in the church and your finances. And uh, we'd like to stop the service right now just for a minute to thank the Lord because he's the one that gave us all these things that we can use for his glory. Let us pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have given us uh, the strength to go to work to earn a living for our family. Uh, Lord, we don't take this for granted because many people don't have this in, a, in our world. And so we come today, Lord, to honor you with our giving, and as we receive the tithes and the offerings of your people this morning, we pray that uh, they will be a real reflection of how much we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated.
2: to Thee an earnest prayer, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to care.
0: first. Would you just close your eyes for just a moment? We're singing about taking it to the Lord in prayer. If you want to lay a burden down this morning, or just something that's on your heart, you go right ahead and talk to the Lord right now.
4: You're here this morning. Let's thank our band this morning. Thank you so much. It's been great to hear you praise the Lord and sing praises to Him, and just uh, just an exciting day here at the church today. We're continuing in Acts chapter 15. So, if you have your Bibles, we're going to head over to Acts chapter 15. We're going to talk today about the challenge of the church. Um, we started out this series, the uh, AD, following the TV series, and now that AD is done, I like to entitle the second half of this, Unfinished, because it really is unfinished. They left, AD left you hanging, and, and so that was unfinished, but also the story of Acts is unfinished because it's unfinished because the story continues today. The church is still alive. The church is not something, as we look at the history of the church, we look at the the foundation of the church, it's not something that was meant to just be done in the past. It was our beginning. It was our foundation. And we are unfinished as we continue to grow and walk in faith today. Acts chapter 15. Last week we looked at Paul's missionary journey from Acts chapter 14. And I threw up this map and we'll look at it again today. We said that originally the gospel started out in the city of Jerusalem. All right? And then it moved up and it spread out and went all the way up to Antioch of Syria, which was 300 miles north. And then from Antioch of Syria, uh, he came out and he went on his first missionary journey. So you'll see Paul left Antioch, went to the town of Seleucia. And uh, you follow these arrows with me there. He went out to this island of Cyprus and he visited two towns there, Salamis and Paphos, preaching the gospel, um, and went up uh, into the town of Perga, sailed across the, the water there into the town of Perga, up to Antioch of Galatia. We said there were several towns named Antioch. Antioch of Galatia moved on over to Iconium, down to Lystra, and on over to Derbe. And as you look at that, you see the arrows and you see how he backtracks. He makes his way back, similar route that he came. It would have been a lot easier just to kind of round out and come right back from where he was in Derby to come back down to Antioch of Syria. But what he did was he made his rounds back and he went along encouraging the churches. His job, his goal was to not just preach the gospel but to establish churches. Establish a work that would be continuing and would be lasting uh, to for forever, really, to plant a church that would reach people forever, and so that's what you know. That's what happens here in our church. We are set here to be a ministry that's reaching people that continues to make disciples who will make disciples. We we have a history in our church. One day, somebody came to our town, came to the town of Library, and began to share the gospel. A lady named Edna Long. Uh, as, as history tells us she came down over to that little piece of land where straight street is now located and began to share the gospel of jesus christ and people began to come to christ eventually the church was established and today we have uh the the benefits of somebody that stepped out and said i'm going to share the gospel and god does the rest of the work Paul, at the end of his missionary journey, returns back to that city of Antioch of Syria. And in verse 27, Acts fourteen twenty-seven, he says this, Now when they had come and gathered uh, the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So, here was a... Uh, Paul had faced a lot of opposition. And today we're going to talk about the challenge of the church. What is the challenge of the church? Do you realize for the church to move forward, there will always be opportunities, and with opportunities comes opposition. There will always be an opposition to the, to the work of God. And so if we look in the book of Acts, you'll see that they faced opposition from the unbelieving Jews, the people who said that they didn't want to accept uh, the Messiah. And now we're going to see today that he takes and he continues on right here he comes back at the end of his missionary journey there's a lot of excitement people are thanking God for what he's done but we're going to move into chapter 15 and we're going to see that not only did he face opposition from people that were unbelievers but now he starts to face it from believers and uh, let's look here at um, Acts chapter 15 verse 1 Some men came down from the country of Judea and started to teach the Christians. So these were unauthorized teachers. These were some people that probably loved God, but they did not teach the same gospel that Paul was preaching. And they were unauthorized. They came down to teach the Christians, and this is what they said. They said, unless you go through the religious act of becoming a Jew, as Moses taught, you cannot be saved from the punishment of sin. Now I want you to think with me about that. He's saying, he, these people were, were the, this was the Judaizers. They were going out and they were telling people that in order for you to get to heaven, yes, Jesus died on the cross, but now you have to be, become like us. You have to become a Jew. You have, to, you have to do all the rituals and the rites. You have to have the clean versus the unclean. And they were laying the set of laws, a set of rules and regulations upon these new believers. Um, and you, you may wonder, well, where did that come from? Why would these people, you know, they just, they're following Christ. Where would they get that idea? Well, Genesis seventeen ten. Remember, these were people that had studied the Bible. They studied the Old Testament. That's what they had. They didn't have Hebrews and Romans and all the, the books that further explain this to us. So they went back to Genesis, verses like this in Genesis 17.10. This is my agreement, or this is my covenant between me and you and your children after you, which, must, which you must obey. Every man among you must have this religious act done. And they were talking about a physical act, and it, was, uh, it would uh, impair the body. And, uh, this, and th- this was a tough thing that had to be done. But it was God saying, this is my signet upon my people. And this will, the, you will know how my people, because they are different. Everything about them is different. And that was his plan for the Jews. So God is working with the, with the, uh, with the nation of Israel. And the, these were his chosen people. And they had this clean laws and unclean. Uh, for certain foods that you could eat, certain foods that you could not eat. And so they had this list. And, and as you looked at the Jewish people, they were just completely different than everybody around them. Uh, Matthew chapter five seventeen, Jesus himself says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but I came to fulfill the law. You see, these were men that were steeped in the proud history of being chosen people of God. Uh, They remembered the Old Testament teaching that God's chosen people were to follow the laws of Moses. And so what they were doing was they they were taking a practice that that they had grown up with all their life and now they're applying it to this new situation. Uh, The question wasn't if the Gentiles could come to faith in Christ. The question was how would it happen? How would this grace be dispensed to them? Uh, And they said that if they would... The concept here was that if these people would just follow the law, then we could have good moral standards in the church uh, that uh, that this would be a, a a respectful thing in our in our gathering of people in our gathering of believers, um, including going through the religious acts. there were so many religious acts this was if, if you looked back in Genesis chapter uh, ten there it talked about how that further on you would read it says that look this is this is how you'll know this is how you'll know that you're my people it'll be a reminder even on your bodies and so this was a big deal these people grew up and they, they had all these laws new new converts would show sincerity and moral integrity if they would follow the laws of moses but that was not the gospel that paul was preaching we had two theologies that were colliding here And as you look at the two theologies that we're going to collide, we're going to continue on here in verse 2. We're going to see what starts to happen here. Number 2, verse 2. The first point in your notes is that the gospel is contested. And I want you to realize that the gospel is contested. So it was contested from outside, and now it's contested on the inside from other believers. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of, the, of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So they're up in Antioch, and they're going to send Paul and Barnabas down because this is a, there's a disagreement. It's pretty fierce. It says that there was no small dissension. The, the word there is also translated in other places, a riot. These people had a major disagreement. It's a major dispute over should you be just following Christ or should you follow Christ plus the law? And so Paul and Barnabas were not about to just lay down and let this thing pass by. And Paul was particularly vocal about it. Uh, the debate had a potential to split the church into two different strands. Uh, the, what could have happened was the church could have been just a sect of Jewish of Judaism or it could have been what we know it today. And so today we see and we understand the grace, the faith in Christ alone. Imagine being with Paul in a debate. This this was the guy who, before he came to Christ, he he challenged everything. He was one of the greatest Pharisees. He was so smart. Uh, He knew the law. He knew the Old Testament. So Paul is not out there preaching this this gospel of Jesus Christ without knowing the law. He knew every bit of the law. He was well versed in it. Before he came to Christ, he was among the top of the Pharisees. And now that he's come to Christ, he's preaching this great message of grace. Acts 15, chapter, uh, verse 3. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversation of the Gentiles. They had that, um, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And, you know, they're on the way, and they've got this conflict. There's going to be a confrontation. And as Paul and Barnabas and this delegation are making their way, this 300-mile journey, they stop in Samaria, they stop in Phoenicia, and they tell them, look, God is moving. And the Gentiles all over Galatia are coming to Christ. And people are coming to, to the Lord. And what happens? They caused great joy. And I ask myself all the time whenever I come to a verse like that, because I've been seeing that a lot in the book of Acts. They caused other believers to have great joy. Great joy. And I ask myself the same question. Am I causing other believers to have great joy? Am I sharing with them the great things that God is doing? Or am I hung up on issues? Am I getting sidetracked? Am I encouraging other believers for what God is doing in their life and, and, and encouraging the work of God? Verse 4, And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. So Paul and Barnabas, they come in and uh, they meet with this, this council. If you look in your Bible, a lot of your Bibles probably have the heading, The Jerusalem Council. And uh, this was a time that they were gathering. They were going to work on this debate. There was a discussion at hand. But the very first thing they do is give a report back. Just like our missionary did this morning, you know. Weren't you encouraged to hear the the diligence of his work this morning? He has 4,000 hours of study to do before he can really get in to really be able to share with those people. 4,000 hours. I was telling him in the foyer, I was just so thankful for his dedication, for his diligence to what God's called him. He told me there are a 1,000 people in this tribe, and they don't know Christ. Now, what, what an incredible thing that God would take a couple like them and several other couples and go over. That's what was happening here. They said, first, before we get to this dispute, before we get to the debate, here's what God has done Gentiles are coming to Christ. Non-Jewish people, people that have never heard the gospel, are coming to Christ in masses. And look what happens. The arms are folded, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believe rose up, saying, doing the religious act of, of becoming a Jew and keeping the law of Moses are two things that must be done. They said, this must be done. They must follow through with the physical act of being a Jew, and they must follow all the laws of Moses. They must follow all the laws. And so this was this there's tension here. This was the sect of the Pharisees. Now don't confuse this with the Pharisees that were antagonizing Jesus. Um, Those were non believing Pharisees. These are Pharisees that have studied the Bible. They understand, they know the Old Testament, but yet they were following Jesus. And so they were the, the keepers of the guard, if you will, but they were now following Christ. They were believers with strong opinions. We've never met any believer with a strong opinion, have you? you know? They're believers with strong opinions. Um, and, and they felt that the law was so important. And it was necessary to have Christ and the law. Uh, you know, they said it was like, you know, for me, it'd be like peanut butter without jelly. You know, the two go hand in hand. It'd be like going to a wedding in Pittsburgh without a cookie table. You know, that just doesn't happen, right? The two go hand in hand. You, you leave Pittsburgh and, and I, you know, I went to a wedding. I said, where's the cookie table? And they said, what are you talking about, right? That's a Pittsburgh thing. But that's how they viewed it. They viewed the law and the message of Jesus. Because after all, they were the people of God. They were the people, and they had studied. They knew that the Messiah was coming. They were waiting and expecting this long-awaited Messiah to come. And they grew up. They had the rite of passage done to them. They had uh, all the laws. They knew, and they tried to live their best. But that was never the purpose of the law, was to make them best. The purpose of the law was to show them their need for for a Savior. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, we see what happened here. Paul Paul has a a, a conversation. Galatians, you know, remember this was the church in Galatia that we're talking about where they started all these churches. Uh, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose uh, oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. Peter had been eating with the people who are not Jews, but after some men came who had been with James, he kept away from them. He was afraid of those who believe in the religious act of becoming a Jew. And so here's Peter, and Peter was, a, Peter was a, a devout person. He had grown up in the Jewish faith. He understood it, but yet he was the one that was able to be the first to go to the, to the Gentiles. And now, in this situation, we see Paul reaccounting for us that whenever these people that became around, there was a little bit of power, there was a political clout to them, and it, they, he had fear of what other Christians might think. And so, instead of continuing his ministry with the, with the non-Jewish people, he backs off. And the Apostle Paul confronts him here. You know, a, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles just never got along. The Jews and non-Jewish people, it was just never, uh, there was so much tension. As a matter of fact, a good Jew would pray something to the effect that, Oh Lord, uh, our Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, we uh, thank you that you did not make us a Gentile. And so, these people here were not saying that people couldn't come to Christ. That the Gentiles couldn't come to Christ. They were saying that it had to be done their way. That if they were going to come to Christ, that they had to have the rite of passage, that they had to, they had to have all the rules, and they had to had to follow the law. And I can't help but think, as I think of what Peter did there, and how that he succumbed to the pressure. Do I succumb to the pressure? Uh, God has given us this Freedom. And it doesn't matter what other people are thinking. It matters what God is thinking. God's given us His grace. And I'm to live and walk in His grace. Um, number two in your notes, the gospel of Jesus is summarized in one word, grace. Grace. I'm so thankful for that word. Uh, what we're going to see here is that the truth gets clarified. You have to have truth. If we don't have truth, it just doesn't work. We have to, the, the basis of Christianity is based on truth and and here they're clarifying some truth. Look at Acts 15, 6. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. They spent time. They were going over the Scriptures. They were in community of believers. Verse 7. And when there had been much dispute. So this, this argument continues. Peter rose up and said to them. So remember, Peter already cowered to them. Uh, and back, at, back in another instance, as Paul recalls. So now he's, he's down here in this dispute. He says, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose, chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. You know it was me. And he, what he's doing is referring to Cornelius, the first Gentile to come to Christ. The first Gentile, the first non-Jewish person. So he says that, he says, you understand that God used me. So, God, who knows the heart and acknowledges them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did to us. He gave them the Holy Spirit just like He did for us. And He made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we are able to bear? Why do you put the law on them? We couldn't even figure it out. It was too heavy for us. We couldn't obey the Ten Commandments. We couldn't keep up with all the laws, all the regulations. Why are you coming to these new believers and telling them, okay, now that you have faith in Christ, you're not really a believer unless you follow all these rules. Hmm. Verse 11. But we believe through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we shall be saved in the same manner as they. We believe through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that they shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders that God had worked among them in the Gentiles. Wow. They kept silent. They stopped arguing and they heard the truth come out and it is the grace. And so here in this passage we see that the message of salvation is clarified. It is grace plus nothing. It is not your works. Your works do not get you to heaven. Um, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not grace plus. It's grace, the grace of God. When Jesus died on the cross, it was his grace for you. You get something you don't deserve. You get to go to heaven. I get something I don't deserve. I get to go to heaven. I get to have a relationship with the God of the universe. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's not of works so that no one can boast. No one will be able to go into heaven and say, well, you know, here's what I did, and here's how I got in here. How'd you get here? It's all on the cross. It's all on the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, religion says, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to get into heaven? But Christianity, what Jesus says, is it's already been done. See, religion is how do I get to God? Christianity. what Jesus did is how God got to you. And it was done on the cross. Um, imagine with me if, uh, if I had a masterpiece. Somebody gave me a picture uh, painted by a famous artist. It's worth several thousand dollars. And I take that, and I take it home, and I hang it up in my family room, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I look over and I say, well, you know what? Over in the upper corner there, he could have done a little differently over there. And I go, and I get my paintbrush out, and I go up to the corner and I just start adding to it, right? You know what's going to happen? First of all, my wife's going to have a discussion, right? (laughs) We're going to have a little talk. Number two, I've just totally destroyed the masterpiece. And that's what the grace of God is. Sometimes we try to add to what He's done. The Bible says that you're His masterpiece and you can't add to His masterpiece. You can't earn your favor. You can't earn any more of God's favor than what he gave you at the cross. That is so freeing. The scripture tells us that we belong to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. He saved us not because of the righteous things that we have done. It's all over the scripture. It's not because of you, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins. He gave us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Christ Jesus our Savior. Grace. Getting something that you don't deserve. Um, We need the grace of God in our life. Without God's unmerited favor, God has given us. I didn't have to earn this. God loves me. God loves you. That's why he sent his son Jesus to the cross. That's what this whole discussion was about. was about, hey, listen, it is not grace plus the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. It's grace. And are you ready to receive him by faith? Are you ready to live by faith in the grace of God? An old preacher one time gave an illustration. He was sitting on a bus, actually, and he was, he was sitting next to a college student on a bus, and it's on a bumpy road bouncing all over the place. And as he's talking to the college student, he says, Are you prepared spiritually to handle the temptations that you're going to face in college? And the young man looked back at him and said, Why, absolutely I am. I have a lot of willpower. I think I'm going to be just fine. Then the old preacher picked up his Bible, and he picked up a pencil, and he said... He said, Son, do you believe that I can make this pencil stand on my Bible cover on this bumpy road? He goes, Sure. And the preacher takes his pencil and he puts it on there. And he's holding it, and the, bo- the bus is bouncing all over the place. And the young man says, Hey, wait a minute. You're not making that stand. You're not making that pencil stand. And the preacher said, Oh, yes, I am. He said, But you're holding it. And the the preacher looked at him and said, I didn't tell you I wasn't going to hold it. I told you I was going to make it stand. And he said, That's the way it is with the grace of God. You can't stand unless God is holding you. And see, if I take that pencil and I try to let that, it's just going to keep falling. It's never going to go. But the grace of God is what holds us. And the grace of God is what keeps us going. And when we start to understand that, you can't stand of your own faith, of your own whatever, your own good works. It is by faith in Christ, not in faith in yourself, not in faith of anything that you can do. Acts 15, 19, James had gotten up and he said his, his words and he gave what, what, the, uh, what the Scripture says and he says this, so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult difficult you know i think so many times we make it difficult for people to come to christ we we talk about issues and issues it's not our message is it our message is the cross our message is jesus christ that he died he was buried he rose again and so we are to come and bring people the cross of christ i want you to think about religion religion is advice You know, when you hear somebody say that they're religious, it's about, they're they're telling you their advice about how they can get to God. And religion offers advice how one can be a better person, how one can gain God's favor. But the gospel is news. The gospel is news. It's news. It's, It's good news to you that Jesus did it. The price has been paid. You cannot earn this. And nothing that you do after you come to Christ will help you keep it. Nothing will help you... To, uh, to be able to earn that. Nothing. It is the news. It's the grace of God. And as we, as we continue on here this morning, I want you to think about this, that the gospel takes the burdens away because religion really does. It puts burdens on us. When we think of religion, we think, well, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do this. And that's why a lot of people on the, in our culture today, they're turned off to church because that's what they think of church. They think of religion as a burden. But the gospel takes the burdens away. It takes the burdens off. And so I want to encourage you as a church, uh, as an individual and us as a church, let's live in the grace of God. Let's not slip back into this worrying about the clean and unclean. You know, there are people that that may follow some of the rules. That's okay. That's what Paul said. These people who are going to follow the law, it's okay. But don't take that law and put it on somebody that's coming to Christ and they're new because they don't have to follow that. And you don't have to follow it anymore because it was already taken care of in Jesus Christ. Uh, You slowly slip back into the clean and unclean laws when the church has lost track of an important element. I'm reading from Richard Lovelace here. He says this, When the church has lost track of an important element in the saving work of Christ and was teaching that believers are justified not by faith, but by being sanctified. The result is an unconscious need for a list of clean and unclean activities and a rebirth of Phariseeism. He he went on further to talk about some of the church fathers that were pretty legalistic. And he said there was one in particular that that, uh, discouraged cosmetics. He didn't believe that It was right to use cosmetics. He said, if God wanted you to smell like a flower, then he would have given you a crop of them on your head. We don't have to live by those rules. We don't have to live under a set of rules today. God's grace. God has given us the grace. It's always enough. His grace is always encouraging. And as we think about his encouraging grace, I want to ask you to to, to consider with me, what was the purpose of the law? Why was the law? Number one, it was a vivid impression so that when we know we would need God. It was an intense way to teach a spiritual truth. You can't just waltz into God with your sin. You need an atonement. So it showed that, showed that our sin and it showed that also that your sins can be atoned for. That's what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. The reality that... The, the, it also is the reality that it points to the, what has already been done. Jesus, when He died on the cross, He paid for our sin. There is now no discrimination between those who follow this and who do that. It's all about the grace of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to receive His grace that He died on the cross, that He came back to life again? And open your heart and say, okay, I'm going to start there, and I'm going to realize I can't earn this. And as believers, I want to encourage you to to know that, that you can't earn it. And as as much as we try and we work hard Yes, God wants us to work. We work out of our love for Him. But I cannot get any more of God's favor than I already have at the cross. You cannot earn any more of His favor than what He gave you at the cross. Acts 15.31, they had sent a letter down. They sent a letter back to Antioch. So we're jumping down the passage. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. The grace of God was encouraging. You see, we go through this little thing. Sometimes we say, well, if I, if I do this, then God will do that. And when we don't understand grace, we, we take it to be like, well, you know what, if I made a mistake, then God is not happy. And that's kind of the, the way our culture, we've been raised in a, in a land where we say, you know, the, the more you work, the, the better you are, you get that higher promotion. If I, then God. But let me challenge you with this thought, that grace is really the opposite way. Grace is, if God, then I. If God, God loves me. If God's working in my life, then I. It is not if I. It's not depend on my mistakes. As a matter of fact, because of the grace of God, He uses your mistakes in your life. And we don't have to live in bondage. Number four, enjoy this new life in God's grace. Enjoy this new life in God's grace Gordon MacDonald said this, the world can do almost anything as well as or better than the church. You need not to be a Christian to build houses, feed the hungry, or heal the sick. There's only one thing that the world cannot do. It cannot offer grace. Would you bow in prayer with me this morning? As we close our service, I'd like to ask you to respond to God. Maybe you're, you're here and you're saying, well, I, I need to... I need to settle my this thought about eternity. I need to open my heart to Jesus. You can do that. Just right there in your seat. Settle, settle that. And receive his grace. He died on the cross and there are no strings attached. You don't have to add anything to his work. He did it. It is done. Respond to him this morning. Pray a prayer something like this to receive him by faith. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I've, I've offended a holy God. But I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sin. You came back to life for me. And I invite you into my heart right now, And for others in the building, maybe you've you've been here today and you're you're struggling because you're living under guilt, you're living under pressure that's false. But there are no rules, no regulations that will make you closer, will make you more, make you gain more of God's favor. The law has been fulfilled in Jesus. Will you live? Walk by faith. Enjoy His presence. Enjoy the grace of God that He loves you. No matter what you've done. Father God, I thank You. Thank You for the grace of God. Thank You that, that You used this in the in passage here as we see the church's development where the church could have really had a major split. But they came and they saw what You were teaching. That the law was fulfilled in Christ. Therefore, accept his grace. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. If you'd like to come and kneel as we close our service, the altar is open. Feel free to come and kneel. Let's worship our God. Respond to his grace.
2: no one higher than you. Redeemer, Defender, our great and mighty Savior, there's no one higher than you.